Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an update on this year's canola crop. Also, CFA Second Vice President Chris Vandenhuvel will join us. Up first in today's country comment, Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Corn Growers will stop by for a crop update. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Morgan Cott with the Manitoba Corn Growers Association with an update on this year's crop. Um, Generally, they're looking pretty good. I'm fairly happy with the crop. Um, So it's a little stagey, I think is probably the worst thing that's happening just because of the dry, dry, wet, difficult soil conditions. Um, So I think that that's probably the worst of it. There was cutworm issues in certain areas. I think there was um, a few producers that would have had to spray for cutworms, but generally it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good looking crop. How's the moisture situation? It does vary, but generally, I mean, the soil is, has moisture in it um, and it's holding the moisture right now since we got it last weekend or I guess two weekends ago, but it's crusting over, you know, so well. So it's kind of, I have to dig a little bit, and there's a few plants that are slower, so slower to emerge. So um, if, if they need to come out of the ground still, they're going to have a tough time. But generally, yeah, the soil moisture is good, but of course we want more. I guess as far as, uh, you know, temperatures, I, hot weather now would be ideal for, for the corn? Or? Yeah, it's loving the corn. I saw some corn yesterday, actually, that had some rapid growth syndrome. Um, so it's really wanting to grow fast because it's got the moisture and the the sunshine and the heat. Um, yeah, I mean, we can tone it down with the <laughs> 35 degrees, but it's generally, it looks on par like, for where, where the corn wants to be by, you know, our July f- 1st sort of timing. But, it's, I mean, it's got some places to go, really, in the next two weeks. You mentioned cutworms. Uh, talk a bit more about what, what you're seeing there. They, I'm not noticing anything now in corn. Obviously, the corn's going to outgrow it pretty quick because the cutworm won't need to feed on as much um, because the plants are so so big, so they won't do as much damage in corn. Um, there are definitely still cutworms out there if you have a smaller crop, um, which can still do damage. But generally, we're growing out of the cutworm phase for corn, and we don't need to spray beyond this point, hopefully, unless it's really, really bad. But generally, generally we're good in corn. Any other um, insect or, or disease concerns? I haven't seen anything really. I think some guys are a little bit concerned about uh, the wind right now, um, but it's not. I haven't seen really much for damage in the wind. The corn is just sort of going with it and not really getting sandblasted that I've seen. Um, so that's really the only thing that would be causing too much damage right now that I'm concerned about. Um, but generally, we're in a good phase for the next few weeks kind of just watch it grow and keep it weed free is what we want to do in. that was morgan cott with the manitoba corn growers association giving us an update on this year's crop a look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up good afternoon i'm Corey canute manitoba agriculture's weekly crop report says strong winds have impacted crops as of late here's oil seed specialist dane phrase across manitoba we've seen some progress in all of our crops however growth progress has been limited in some ways by the high winds, uh, which has stressed out 
parts of the crop in, in all regions of Manitoba, as well as those high winds contributing to a lack of good spray days to get those herbicide applications done. He notes spraying is ongoing for flea beetles, cutworms, and grasshoppers. And it's official. Canadian Western Agribition is postponing its show this year due to COVID-19. CEO Chris Lane says Agribition has never missed a show in 49 years. Definitely a tough decision to have to make. Um, you know, we had, we had a board meeting earlier this week where, you know, unanimously it was a decision um, that created, a, a, you know, a lot of disappointment. There's, there's a lot of things tied up in Agribition and the people around the table who lead it. And I think... Um, yeah, the, the, the toughest decision we've ever had to make, but also the right one. Canadian Western Agribition is planning for its 50th show in November of next year in Regina. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, June 18th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Canadian Federation of Agriculture Second Vice President Chris Vandenhoevel. We heard this week that Mexico was suspending sending temporary foreign workers to Canada due to a pair of deaths believed to be related to COVID-19. For some clarification on the issue, I spoke to Chris Vandenhoevel. He's the Second Vice President of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. So first off, uh, any time you lose uh, workers of any sort, whether they be domestic or, uh, or, or foreign workers, temporary foreign workers, is a uh, cause for concern. But uh, specifically with, uh, with Mexico, uh, uh, one thing I want to make you aware of is that the, the pause of workers is actually only for the firms that are currently under, uh, 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 under direct uh, impact of COVID. So those firms that have... Uh, uh, an outbreak on the farms are the ones that the pause is put in place for. Uh, Mexico is still committed to sending its workers to uh, other firms across Canada. And just talk about the importance again, you know, of of um, Mexican workers and and the role they play in in Canadian agriculture. Yeah, there's no doubt that they are a key part. They're integral to uh, our ability to get food on Canadians' plates. Uh, uh, you know, at any uh, point in time, and we, as an industry, a sector, we pl- employ about 2.3 million Canadians, but that still leaves us uh, far short of the jobs that we need. And uh, last year alone, there were 60,000 uh, temporary foreign workers in uh, in Canada, uh, and and we were still 15 to 16,000 positions short. So, uh, you know, the need for uh, for these workers is paramount in order to ensure that we get our crops in the ground and uh, back out and on the plates of Canadians. Chris, just your overall thoughts on the temporary foreign worker program. How things have been rolling out here with some of these COVID nineteen um, restrictions? Yeah, like uh, like all other sectors across Canada, I mean, ours is impacted. Uh, uh, you know, particularly tough because of uh, the reliance on uh, on foreign workers. We're grateful that the government was able to negotiate and allow workers to still come into the country and uh, uh, and make that happen. And uh, uh, you know, one thing that's been clear to us is that this has actually created a much uh, better relationship between uh, uh, Canadian farmers and the industry and, and the local public health authorities that are in charge of uh, uh, that are in charge of uh, inspections and whatnot for the foreign workers. And uh, uh, you know, we, we we would like to see that uh, relationship strengthened and uh, move forward. And anything that we can do to help. Uh, uh, you know, the the health and safety of these workers is key because it's in our best interest to ensure that, that all workers, domestic and foreign, are, are health, uh, healthy and safe. 
That was Chris Vanden Heuvel, second vice president of the Canadian Federation of Agriculture. A farmer from Saskatchewan is hosting the Farmers No Borders Twitter account. With more on that, here's Stephen Wilson. For the next week, Fillmore, Saskatchewan area farmer Jake Legui will be taking over the Farmers No Borders Twitter account. We asked Jake what exactly Farmers No Borders was. The Farmers No Borders Twitter account is run by the Global Farmer Network, uh, which I became a member back in 2017. I attended the Global Farmer Roundtable down in Des Moines, Iowa, which was held as a part of the World Food Prize event that's done every year. And every year they bring in a number of farmers from all over the world. So that year, you know, we had farmers from China, India, uh, various countries in Africa, the U.S., a couple of uh, European countries as well, and, and myself from Canada. And we, you know, discuss the things that we're dealing with, you know, in terms of all the challenges that we have. Some of them, of course, you know, environmental, uh, regulatory challenges with, uh, you know, placing restrictions on what products we're allowed to use and and, uh, regulations on seed genetics and all those sorts of things. And just the other challenges, you know, in terms of finding labor and dealing with equipment costs and it's, it's amazing how much you find that farmers around the world really do share similar challenges, whatever country they're from. With a different farmer each week taking over the account last week, a producer from Argentina and before that one from India, it allows followers to see different practices, processes and operations from around the world. For Legui, this week won't be any different than the previous ones. I'll be talking a lot about, you know, what we're doing in the field right now, um, the types of equipment that we run. Um, you know, th- this account is mainly followed by, you know, farmers from around the world. So what I want to show them is what we do in, in Saskatchewan, Canada. And one thing that is very different here versus a lot of other areas, especially in, you know, the developing world and Europe is the size of our farms, you know, uh, a 10,000-acre farm is absolutely massive to somebody from Denmark or Nigeria. So, you know, they're they're interested to see what that actually looks like, you know, broad-acre farming and the types of equipment that we use and what our storage looks like and, and all that sort of stuff. As part of the Global Farmers Network, Legui has seen a number of similarities to the challenges seen here in Saskatchewan across the rest of the globe. Well, I've definitely learned that the challenges that we have with uh, public scrutiny in agriculture today is a challenge all over the world, um, even in places where food security is a real problem. You know, you know, in terms of various countries in Africa, they have the same challenges in, in trying to convince you know, consumers that, that the products we're using are safe, that we need them to be sustainable and look after the environment and, and produce healthy food. You know, those are, those are challenges everywhere. And trying to ensure that regulations that get put in place are, are fair and reasonable is a, is a huge challenge as well. You can follow Legui's Adventures this week on the Farmers No Borders Twitter account. 
For Golden West Radio, I'm Stephen Wilson. Thanks, Stephen. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. On behalf of Stephen Wilson, I'm Corey Knute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Verified Beef Production Plus webinars take place every Tuesday night starting at 7 o'clock. You can email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is now available online. Visit huntercourse.com to register. A Father's Day curbside barbecue fundraiser takes place Sunday from 4.30 until 6.30 with proceeds going to the Provincial Exhibition of Manitoba. The cost is $20. Orders can be picked up at the Dome Building in Brandon. The deadline to order is Friday at noon. Email info at provincialx.com. Keystone Agricultural Producers is presenting a webinar on best practices for hiring farm labor during a pandemic and beyond. That'll take place June 23rd starting at noon. You can register on the CAP website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon. Joining us now is Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada to give us an update on the canola crop here in Manitoba. Starting to to look a lot better. Uh, I think a lot of the crop across the province has moved out of that real severe flea beetle feeding. Um, there was reports, uh, as always, kind of scattered throughout the province of some pretty aggressive feeding. Um, of course, we had some frost events, and some hail events, and excess moisture, which, you know, put stress on the crop. Um, we also had really dry conditions up in the north and windy conditions where we had canola shearing off. So, I think we're hopefully past that, and, and now that we've got some moisture throughout, um, we're getting the crops kind of advancing past that four-leaf stage, so past that real critical window for, for flea beetle feeding. Um, and hopefully uh, producers are able to get out there in between these windy days and, and getting their uh, first pass of herbicide down. But um, general reports across the provinces, that it's, it's looking good, um, and, and hopefully that continues on throughout the rest of the season. How much uh, reseeding did we see here this spring? You know, and I haven't seen a final report. Uh, there's definitely fields that were uh, reseeded uh, due to flea beetle feeding. Uh, there were a few fields uh, in that Winnipeg area that had really heavy frost. Um, so, you know, what you're, you're looking at probably a few, you know, anywhere from 1% to maybe 5% of acres um, may have been uh, reseeded um, due to just, a, you know, a mix of conditions. And that's usually when we're reseeding a field. It's not just just a flea beetle issue is probably a poor emergence issue as well, paired with some frost damage. Um, those are kind of the, the worst case scenario fields, but a lot of canola went on late in the season, just with the, the spring that we had. Um, so it, it kind of went into nice warm, uh, warm, wet soils and, and, and come up, uh, come up out of the ground really nice. So uh, hopefully not, not too many acres being reseeded. Talk um, just a little bit more about uh, the impact of these high winds. Yeah, you know, the crop has definitely taken a little bit of a, a beating and the issue with the well, the high winds is um, uh, mainly drying out that top few inches of soil. So when you were seeding into moisture one day, the next day that seed was, you know, had started to germinate, but then was dry. Um, so we did see a lot of that where canola just kind of fizzled out because uh, there was no moisture there. And that's mainly because of the wind. Um in the really severe wind situations as well, you'll get the flea beetles feeding down onto the stems. Um, so not so much cotyledon feeding, and you have that issue then for stem feeding to snip plants right off. So um, the, the real concern, I think, which is top of mind of producers right now, is just getting in with that first-pass herbicide. Um, because of the spring, a lot of pre-seed burn-off didn't go 
didn't happen, those applications didn't happen. Um, so now there's this increased, you know, focus on trying to get that um, timely herbicide application down. So uh, producers are well aware of that, and obviously we can't do anything about the wind. So just, you know, knowing knowing the, I guess, your, your chemical products and the differences that you'll see, you know, versus night spring and different environmental conditions when we're dealing with extreme heat. Um, those are all types of things that are kind of a focus right now when we're trying to get that application down. Anything else to highlight? No, you know what? It's um, we're we're past flea beetles, and before we know it, we'll be into sclerotinia timing. So that'll be the next kind of disease of focus once we get into flowers. So um, if we we're getting that moisture scattered throughout, we're getting some humid days. Um, that'll be something that producers will be thinking about, and if they're gonna if it's gonna warrant an application or not. That was Justine Cornelson with the Canola Council of Canada. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Canadian Western Agribition has announced plans to postpone its Regina show for this year. This was to mark the show's 50th year and is the first time in the show's history it's ever been cancelled. But given the restrictions around COVID-19, organizers made the decision to postpone the event until 2021. CEO Chris Lane. I think the uncertainty that's still out there around, you know, public health, those restrictions, those guidelines, and, and you know, sort of the plan to reopen to large events like ours is, you know, it's still, it's still pretty murky. And I think, you know, for good reason, but that does mean that we have, a, uh, you know, a, some things that we just couldn't be as confident about for our exhibitors. Canadian Western Agribition is planning for its 50th show in November of 2021. And Manitoba Agriculture gave an update on winter cereals in this week's crop report. Here's oilseed specialist Dane Fraze. Fall rye has now finished blooming uh, and has been sprayed for fusarium in some locations. Uh, winter wheat is just about to start heading out in most parts of the central region. So far, the winter cereals do look pretty good. Further north into the northern part of the central region in the interlake, we have seen some winter cereals that have been severely damaged by some of those frosts from about two weeks ago and some of those cool temperatures um, down into the single digits, which may have hampered flower fertility. Frey says strong winds over the past week have impacted herbicide applications. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwestradio.com. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.